This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Monday, April 10th. The weather forecast for today. Sunny this morning, a mixture of sun and cloud through the afternoon, and the high, 18 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, attacks on the TTC declined after extra security was applied. Number two, it's Easter Monday, which brings a much less busy day for many. Number three, police investigate an attack on Muslim worshipers. Number four, summer-like temperatures expected later this week. And number five, companies break out the gourmet coffee to lure workers back. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. It's Easter Monday, possibly the most nebulous holiday of the year. I mean, there's no religious significance to it. And yet we end up with this, for some people anyway, a four-day weekend. Not us here on More in the Morning, although I know many will be delighted to hear that owing to, I don't know, deployment issues, Robert Turner is here on this Monday morning. And how are you? Hung over from chocolate, you? Yeah. yeah. No, we didn't do any chocolate. Um, I wasn't, you know, my sister's house is the one with all the kids, and we weren't there on Sunday, so um, we just had a lot of adults. And instead, we um, we went around the house looking for bottles of alcohol. So you're hungover in a different way today. Yeah, no, I'm not hungover. Plus, it was Masters weekend, which is like, I mean, that's the WrestleMania of golf. No, it was So it's a, a huge deal for you. It was huge. And, I mean, even Sunday morning... Because they had weather issues at the Masters, they were they got off to a very early start. So I'm supposed to be at a brunch, and I'm sitting in a hotel room watching the Masters. And, yeah, there is something just very, very special and historic about the Masters. And a lot of it is about marketing and the snobs who run that tournament. But when you're watching a guy charging up the 18th and the 17th, and uh, he's about to get a green jacket and win what is considered to be the most prestigious prize in golf. It's pretty exciting. And uh, it was also, okay, without getting too deep into all the details, because if you don't watch golf, you probably just don't care. But as you know, there's this rival league, Live, and there's a lot of bad blood between people in the PGA and people who play and live. However, they were allowed, everybody was allowed to play at this particular tournament. But in the end, it was John Rahm, who plays with the PGA, who won. And it was a great weekend for sports. I am reliably informed by Robert Turner that yesterday's baseball game was spectacular. Well, it was just kind of crazy because they just kept swapping the lead back and forth. I mean, the Angels were up 6 nothing, and you think, okay, well, that's got to be over. And then the Jays are back, and it's 10-6 for the Jays, and it ended up in extra innings. And And uh, they won. Yeah. And Canada takes, uh, Gushu takes silver in curling. This is a time of year when, like, every sport is happening, save for football. I mean, we've got basketball, we've got hockey, we've got baseball, um, lacrosse, because playoffs are on. And uh, then you got golf, and uh, this curling thing went on forever. I mean, I was looking up. It's Honestly, it's been like two weeks long. Uh, started with the women's, uh, moved to the men's, and, um, you know, congratulations. But I guess there's some degree of disappointment. So it's an interesting Monday. I was saying it's sort of a half-assed holiday. I mean, there's no school. Banks, it would seem, are closed. There won't be any mail. Now, back in the day, that used to be a big deal. 
Now, aside from the fact that our dog loses his mind and eats the mail, um, we're not really going to be much impoverished by the fact that there is no mail today. Uh, select LCBOs will be open. So if you, and that's, you know, I was reading some coverage and it would seem that like Good Friday, LCBO was closed. It was closed yesterday for Easter. Some of them are closed today for Monday. I'm not sure why the, the, this level of uh, abstemiousness is prevailing at the LCBO, except I guess that they have a good union. Meanwhile, lots of uh, stories to dig into today, and um, we'll touch on a couple more, obviously, when we talk with our friends at CP24. One of the big stories would definitely be the weather this week. As Ashley was saying in the newscast, we're, it's going to like just leap to the middle of July temperature-wise later on this week. We're experiencing apparently a southwesterly flow on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Temperatures expected to go up as high as 27 degrees. So uh, we kick off today. What's the weather forecast temperature for today? 18. Okay, so everything's um, lining up. Uh, 18 is our high today, and then we get warmer every day. Tuesday expected to be, or Thursday expected to be the warmest day of the week. Temperatures could reach about 25 degrees Celsius in the city, which is 10 degrees warmer than the historical average for the day. So now, I'm looking ahead at like the 14-day forecast, and I don't see the ice storm that we're inevitably going to get because you got your winter tires changed already. I know. Maybe I, maybe my timing just all worked this this year. Maybe. I wouldn't gloat yet, though. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not gloating. Believe me. Um, if anything can go wrong, it will. Um, so, uh, speaking of ice storms, um, if you have friends, mostly in Quebec and mostly on the island of Montreal, it would seem, uh, still some people in eastern Ontario who were, who were hit by the ice storm. I can certainly tell you I was in Ottawa on the weekend, and... There were a lot of down tree branches. For the most part, it seems most people had been reconnected with the grid. But this ice storm, about 85,000 customers in Quebec, most of them on the island of Montreal, were still without power yesterday afternoon. Uh, Hydro-Quebec expecting to restore power to virtually all customers by Monday night. And there were all kinds of acts of, des of <laughs> desperation and generosity. People were inviting people to come and stay with them in their homes. It was a lot like the ice storm that we had and then the great ice storm of, I never remember, I think it was 97. Um, but there were also somebody I follow on Twitter had posted a picture of themselves in a giant puffy coat under a quilt with a toque on, um, just sitting in an armchair saying, this is great, day four. Another thing that's going to happen a little later on this week is that the Bank of Canada is going to announce the central bank rate, and it appears it's going to remain the same. We're in an economy where it's kind of hard to add up the numbers because it's, it's kind of like flying a plane. You know, if you, you, you have to pull very, very gently on the stick or pull very gently or pull back very gently on the throttle, but you don't actually get the results of what you've done for a good long time. And sometimes it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen. And with the Bank of Canada, inflation is down, but Canadians still feel an incredible pinch. Wages, I love that this can be a complaint. Wages are going up too quickly, but that can drive inflation. 
Um, and then there's the whole business of the housing market and all kinds of banking turmoil. So anyway, they expect to hold the line. And as a matter of fact, there is an expectation that a few cycles from now, they may actually ease back on the increases. Good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, happy Monday. So as we know, today is Easter Monday, and that means there are some closures people will want to keep in mind. I think people are going to find this to be kind of a quieter, gentler day. Kids are out of school. Banks are closed. No mail delivery. What will we do without the mail? Um, LCBOs, <laughs> some are open, some are closed. So you might want to verify that online before you show up. Uh, but yeah, it's Easter Monday, which is always this curious hybrid because it's of no significance, but a lot of people get it off. Mm-hmm. Including the kiddos, mine at least, in the TDSB. All right, turning to uh, this now, it seems there's a report out that says that a Attacks on the TDC went down after extra police and security were added. This is a report that comes out, uh, well, did come out in the month of April. Here we are. And the data shows there were 111 reported offenses in the month of February against riders, which include assault, theft, mischief, harassment. But that's 111 down from 136 offenses in January. Now, you may remember, of course, that we deployed those 80 extra police officers and 50 new security guards, but then we pulled the plug on the mm -hmm. uh, 80 police officers. So the big question mark is, what is this month's uh, affair going to look like, this month's report when it comes out in the month of May? Mm -hmm. That would be interesting to see indeed. And uh, talk about a bystander superhero or superhuman uh, blocking a carjacking that happened in Brampton. I guess apathy is not dead. No, but ask yourself, would you intervene in a circumstance like this? A bystander, this is Sunday morning in Brampton, sees somebody being held up at knife point and told to get out of their car. Bystander gets involved, engages the attacker. Both of them suffered injuries. Mm. The attacker was restrained by the bystander and arrested once police arrived on the scene. And the, by, the uh, bystander was treated for minor injuries on the scene and was able to go home. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Not saying that people should try this at home, but uh, certainly this bystander putting mm -hmm. his own life at risk to do this. And turning to this, John, um, a shelter in Toronto, an animal shelter, is now seeking the owner of a dog. This is quite sad. That was abandoned and the dog had a note that was left on him uh, at a park. Oh, what a sad story mm -hmm. this is. A four-year-old, well, dog who's going to be four very soon. His name is Max. He was found at Primrose Avenue Parkette near Davenport Road and St. Clarence Avenue with a note. The owner said, I can't afford to look after this dog. I lost my job and I've lost my home. And then it just finishes with, he's a smart dog. He's good with kids. He's a very good boy. So uh, Max actually is going to be held by Animal Welfare Services and possibly fostered in a home because the objective here is to wait until the owner gets back on their mm. feet and to hold Max until then. Yeah, it's good that they have services like that and Max is absolutely adorable. What a happy looking pup. Okay, and turning to this finally, John, uh, companies are attempting to lure employees back to the office with some interesting incentives. <clears throat> 
This is an interesting article by Claire O'Hara in the Globe and Mail today, and it's about the measures companies are taking. A lot of them took advantage of the fact that during COVID, people weren't in the office, so they renovated. They made it more attractive. They're turning a lot of offices into things that look a bit more like a first-class lounge at an airport. They're hiring baristas. There's a real rush on baristas, as a matter of fact. One insurance company ended up opening two different barista stands where you can get free coffee. They're subsidizing food and doing gourmet food. They're giving employees $100 a month to spend on whatever form of transportation they want to spend it on. If they want to park the car or take the bus, they can do that. All they want is to get them back to the office. However, the big thing that this mm. all boils down to, it seems that companies are sort of splitting the difference and it's going to be three days a week in the office and then you know, workers running the table whenever they want. All right. Those sound like pretty good perks to me. News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always yeah. a pleasure chatting with you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take care. And that's Jennifer Shang over at CP24 and the faint sound of chirping from Bill Coulter in the background, the weatherman who just sent me a text and said, clearly we're going golfing this week. And hey, if the, if the weatherman thinks it's golfing weather, then uh, bring it on. Um, we'll talk more about this uh, feature that we finished off our segment with CP24 with because it was very much the subject of discussion with a lot of people I ran into this weekend, um, what office life is looking like. So I have a cousin, for example, who's in his very first job as an accountant. He moved from Ottawa to Toronto. He's living the downtown life and working the downtown life. And he says he likes being in the office, but he doesn't want to be there more than three days a week. And that seems to be the compromise in a lot of office places. And then you get into the business that apparently uh, Mondays are fairly busy um, and people, a lot of offices are ordering you. What they'd say is uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and that, you know, three days in the office. And then they ask you if you would please come for one other day. So a lot of people are showing up for Mondays, but then you just get into all of these perks, which for a lot of you, if you work in the tech sector, for example, there's nothing new in that. I mean, for decades now, people have had waiting pools in their work areas. They've had uh, gumball machines. I went to one tech firm in Montreal where people were going by on scooters. Uh, they have these incredible pods that you can actually sit and face somebody else and work with them. Or you can be on a cell phone and nobody can hear you. Or you can just fall asleep. Um, companies are finding that workers you know, need to be pampered now. And think about it in the old days. I mean, you just, here's your office, go in there and work and uh, please close the door if you're going to smoke. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. What a crazy weekend for sport. We had the Masters, which had an exciting ending, although there was so much light between, or, you know, so many points between the first and second place individual. It wasn't all that suspenseful. The Maple Leafs, and I'll let people who know sport talk about this in greater detail and offer their own analysis, but some people are upset. Well, the Montreal Canadiens are upset with the Maple Leafs because they took a thumping, but also um, they felt that the Leafs were racking up the score, and then they threw in an auxiliary goalie uh, in the last minute of play. So that goalie, Jet Alexander, plays for U of T, and uh, says the 25-year-old is a goalie with the University of Toronto Varsity Blues, where he studies English and environmental science. His junior career 
tapped out in Tier 2. He's one of the emergency backup goaltenders the NHL demands teams keep around in case one team sees both of its goalies get hurt. But on Saturday, they signed him to a one-day amateur tryout contract because the Leafs had no one else. There's a lot of really complicated stuff in this about salary caps and who could be called up and who had to be sent down. It was a delicate dance, but it's also, you know, hey, this young guy who is probably never going to play pro hockey got to play in the NHL. That's on his resume for life. He's kind of like the uh, Zamboni driver. Well, that's the thing, right? For everybody who's upset about this, yeah. remember when the Leafs got whooped by the Zamboni driver? Just relax. Yeah. It was a great moment for everybody. Okay. But one of the players for the Montreal Canadiens said, just wait. You'll get what you deserve in a few weeks. So, well. <laughs> He's assuming the Leafs will be bounced from the playoffs, which I think we all are. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, but Montreal Canadiens are going to get bounced as well. So, I don't um, think they made the playoffs, no, did they? No, they, they have had a lousy year. So I was mentioning this business of uh, how offices, I always like an interesting lifestyle story, particularly where it crosses over with work style stories. And yes, I do appreciate, I'll always hear from people, it's like, I drive a truck for a living. Why do you talk about people in office towers? Who cares? Okay, because it's kind of the traditional model for an awful lot of jobs, and it has been turned upside down by COVID. And so the Claire O'Hare Again, writing for the uh, Globe and Mail, because this is a very lengthy feature that I would definitely recommend because it's a fantastic read. Uh, but Claire starts with Manulife. And here's the Stations of the Cross, perhaps not the most perfect reference on a, or allegory on a Monday. But the, it started out with, uh, we may work from home. Then it was, everybody's going to work from home. And then it was, we'd like you to come back to the office. And then it was, you must come back to the office. And then we got to this friction point, which is like dealing with a four-year-old having a tantrum. Workers said no. And so now offices are saying, employers are saying, pretty please. So at Manulife, first of all, they completely remodeled their lobby and uh, they put in an espresso station or actually a, a barista station. Um, it was so popular, they had to hire two. And I'm thinking about this. Imagine for a second the number of employers who are now probably seeking baristas. I mean, it's kind of like crane operators in Toronto. We used to have 10 of them. Now we have 150. Um, so last year, the company announced employees would be required to return to the office three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and one flexible day. And this is where all of this becomes a moving experiment, right? Because you give people... Mondays, Wednesdays, you must absolutely be in the office, and one other day, um, what choices do they make? In Canada, Monday is the third most popular day of the week for attendance for this particular company. 70% um, of employees are in office. On the mandatory days, 91% of employees are showing up. And then you get into all the other stuff that you'd find in an ad firm, you know, the foosball tables and the basketball nets and stuff like that. It's actually very funny. There's, I had never been above the third floor in this building. And then one day they said, you got to go talk to some people in the creative department because they're going to be doing some um, promotion. I said, we have a creative department? And I went upstairs and it was like this 
I, it was gorgeous. You know, there were basketball nets and pool tables and foosball tables. And, um, you know, people had little isolation areas where they could goof around. It's fascinating what people are provided with when there's, you know, there's a creative aspect involved. The um, story about the attack on a mosque is uh, a curious and distressing one. But uh, this actually happened last Thursday, but we didn't learn about it on the long weekend, obviously. The news is not uh, as intensively covered. Um, but it was at the Islamic Society of Markham, a hate-motivated attack, they say. Um, and this was during, again, you know what? This weekend was spectacular for sports. It was spectacular for religion. We had Passover, Ramadan, and Easter all coming together for the first time in about 30 years. So the man allegedly drove at a worshiper, then abandoned his vehicle, went inside the mosque. Um, he's said to have ripped up a Koran and uh, gone on an Islamophobic rant. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's always going to be disturbing. I was talking with Melissa uh, Lansman, the MP for Thornhill, which is a very Jewish riding in a very Jewish neighborhood because uh, up and down Bathurst, there are not only, um, you know, communities of Orthodox Jews, but there are a lot of um, temples. And I drove up one Saturday morning and, of course, there was a paid duty guard out front of every single one of them. And that's because you can't fool around. The possibility of some kind of disruption or attack or violence is always there. But imagine part of your house of worship's revenues being entirely dedicated to just trying to keep you safe while you're at prayer. Speaking of safety, incidents on the TTC, safety incidents on the TTC dropped after the addition of extra security. Shocking. Did, 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 can you get the Department of the Obvious on the phone? Well, is this obvious, though? Because as we watch the mayor's race unfold, yeah. we're told it's the root causes that need to be dealt with to stop the immediate problem. Well, yes, but I, you know, um, I haven't been able to divide everybody up on various lists. I think an awful lot of the candidates and a lot of Torontonians are on a page where there has to be short-term solutions and long-term solutions. But, you know, if you're going to build a new homeless shelter, that won't be done for three years. So how about we put those cops back on? And, you know, it was part of a conversation I had with Doug Ford where I said, listen, um, we need to get those cops back on the subway. We don't have the money to do it. So, you know, if you were to offer up the $1.5 million a month to pay for that security, people like me would be full of bountiful praise for your wise sagacity. So, Joe Warmington, we'll get to this column in a second, but it reminds me of Rachel Dolezal. You may remember she was a woman who led a life as a black history professor and was part of the NAACP when it was discovered because her sister finally said, that's enough of that. She wasn't black. And I'm, then she wrote a book about how, but I identify as black. And I had an interview with her. And after a while, I thought, well, I, I don't know if you, want, if you want to say you're black. I guess you can. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. So, Joe Warmington. The cop killer's name is Jeffrey Brees. He was granted full parole by the parole board. 
for the 1982 shooting of OPP officer Rick Hopkins. He went through a pathway, the cop killer, where you effectively engage in indigenous healing techniques and acquiring indigenous knowledge, which I think is something to be encouraged because, you know, anything that enhances your thinking, your character, and your deportment is, you know, whether or not you're a cop killer, is of benefit. But the family of the victim, Rick Hopkins, went to the parole hearing and was astonished to see him going through a healing circle with indigenous elders and the parole board sitting in a circle with everybody holding hands while some people, including the cop killer, chanted. And at one point, who knows what the heck was going on? I mean, parole boards deal with multiple cases in a day. But at one point, somebody on the parole board said, tell the murderer he will always have to live with the knowledge he killed a little girl. And everybody's like, um, no, he killed a police officer. So he says that, you know, he now identifies as indigenous. And, you know, I, I don't really know what to take from that. <laughs> uh, I, I think actually that indigenous justice is something to be learned from. But one of the aspects of indigenous justice is that it involves the victims. And it doesn't seem that any room was made in this procedure for the family of the victim. Uh, forgiveness is a powerful thing. Contrition is a powerful thing. Had the family perhaps been put on a pathway toward uh, this guy actually saying he's sorry, because that's part of indigenous justice. You actually have to be genuinely sorry for what you did. Uh, and you also have to try to make amends. It doesn't seem like any of that happened. And he got parole because his form said that he was uh, under very little threat of reoffending. Uh, so we'll talk about that with Mark Mendelson, and it most certainly is on the agenda this morning. Uh, Scott Reed is going to be here on the morning brief. And, um, hey, look at that. Lisa Raitt's going to be with us in the place of Thomas Mulcair today. So looking forward to Lisa Raitt, former federal cabinet minister, now in the banking profession, uh, an addict to talk radio. So we kind of added her to the team because she spent so much time texting me. We finally said, let's just put her on the radio. Had a very, very nice weekend. I always think you got to be there for the important things, but it's also, you know, ever since um, I came to Toronto, I used to go back and see my folks pretty well once every four or five weeks back in Montreal. Then dad moved to Ottawa, so I'd do that. Um, my cousins were in from Washington to visit with their mother, and um, she's my aunt. And I thought, okay, she turns 89 this week, so that's, that's worthy of a trip. So that was a, an awful lot of fun. We're learning more and more about uh, King Charles III and his coronation. And it's going to be an interesting combination of things because, you know, it's a coronation. First time in 70 years, there are over-the-top aspects of it. But Charles wants to set a new tone, and he wants to take a lot of the glit or glitter out of this, just because given the economic times we're living in, it's it doesn't go over all that well if you spend all day waving around gold scepters and riding in, well, actually, they are going to ride in a couple of carriages, but it's going to be shorter. The parade is also going to be shorter. Uh, he's encouraging people to throw block parties and picnics as part of the day. 
Um, In one break with tradition, it reads, Charles and Camilla will roll out of Buckingham Palace in the horse-drawn, gilded, black diamond jubilee state coach that was built for Elizabeth's 60th anniversary on the throne. It has heat, air conditioning, power windows. Can you imagine a coach? A horse-drawn carriage that has power windows? Is that for when you have to pay uh, a toll? Or someone's looking for Grey Poupon? Yeah. Uh, It has a suspension system that provides a much more comfortable ride than the carriage his mother rode in for her enthronement. But he will ride in that carriage because there's a lot of history to it. It dates back to, where is it in my brief? 1831. It's been used for every coronation uh, since 1831. Problem is, it's a horribly uncomfortable carriage, apparently. And it rocks back and forth and forward and backwards. And the queen hated it. So I guess it'll be fun to watch. Uh, So all that's happening on the 6th of May. And even if you're not a royalist, it's just the kind of thing. You're going to get up early in the morning, I think, and take just a little bit of it in. The Queen's enthronement took three hours. Charles is going to try and get it in and done in like 60. Because, you know, he left the carriage parked outside. And are Harry and Meghan going to go? Oh, I have the list. Um, Apparently not. They are really in, uh, uh, well, they would be in the dungeon if they, this was 100 years ago, maybe 200 years ago. Uh, only working royals will appear on the balcony, 15 of them. There's the prince and princess of Wales who will appear with their three children who apparently work, I don't know, do they, <laughs> they use their small fingers to run an industrial loom. Uh, prince George, Princess Charlotte, and Prince Louis. Uh, princess Anne, who has turned out to be a, will, a real stalwart, uh, will be on the balcony with Prince Edward and Sophie. Then there's the Duke of Kent and his wife. Not appearing, Prince Andrew and Harry and Meghan. They will not be on the balcony. And apparently they've been offered crappy seats for the actual coronation ceremony. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.